host, Swing Celebrity, and you're listening to Desert Island Jams with Sarah Spoon. That's banging, but you're not a D-list, love. You're not. You're not. Sorry. That's uh, a, a, a stone cold lie you just told, and I've got recorded evidence. <laughs> I'm Sarah Spoon, and this is Desert Island Jams, a monthly podcast where I sit down with people from the dance community, be they DJ, musician, or just general music nerd, and asking them which 10 tracks they would be taking with them if they were stuck on a desert island with a really tiny MP3 player. Desert Island Jams is brought to you by my own elbow grease and the financial support of the people on Patreon. You can find us at www.patreon.com patreon.com forward slash desert island jams my guest this month is laura windley who is based in north carolina usa laura's known by most of us swing dancers as the singer of the mint julep jazz band but she also travels and sings with hot jazz and swing bands from all over the u.s she also writes a blog called lindy shopper about swing dance clothing and shoes and like other things that dancers might find useful and she's really active in the swing community in many other ways you know not just being a musician but she also dances and she djs and she organizes local events and like provides pro bono legal services to jazz musicians welcome to the show thanks for having me i am super delighted um that you could be part of this well, I'm delighted that you invited me to talk about songs that I love, which is something that I love to do. And you've got a really lovely mix of stuff. Uh, there is still a strong jazz presence, but I was really pleasantly surprised by a few of the songs. I was like, oh, I really like that one too. Yay! But, um, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to go through them one by one, starting with Blue Lou by Bunny Berrigan. Tell me why this is on your list. So Blue Lou is my favorite song to dance to for for swing. And I fell in love with this song uh, through the Balboa community. And when I started doing Balboa, I, w- I would hear this song and I loved it because the the main theme of the chorus is this, um, you know, tension and then resolution and then tension and then resolution and then a little happy ditty. And it's just really invites creativity in your dancing. And then I realized there were so many different recordings of this and they were all delightful and great for dancing and also offered a lot of, um, I don't know, different things to play around with musically with their differences. And then I was like, what is this song? And then I started DJing for Balboa. And I figured out it was Blue Lou. And I just, I don't know, it's just my favorite thing to dance to. And so, um, but then you have to decide, you know, of the, I don't know, 20 or 30 versions of Blue Lou that I may own, all having, you know, fairly different arrangements, which one is my favorite. And it's always a toss up between the Bunny Berrigan version and the Benny Goodman version. Well, as you'll see later, I've already included a Benny Goodman song, and we can't have all Benny Goodman on the island. We have to have other I mean, things. it's your island. You can have whatever you like. But um, I think, whereas I, I think I like, I particularly like the feel and the arrangement of the Goodman version, uh, Bunny just really, like, shines and gives me something extra uh, 
in this version and it just sends my heart soaring when he plays. So this is, um, yeah, so I decided to include Bunny's version. All right, well, then let's kick off with that. So next up, we have the Benny Goodman track that you alluded to. Yes. And out of his entire wealth uh, catalogue, why this one in particular? Well, uh, and then it sort of goes back to, again, my like roots in the Balboa community and uh, DJing for Balboa. And I just have always felt like that this song... I don't know, just so it's a Fletcher Henderson arrangement and it just sort of exemplifies this elegance, I feel like, that Fletcher brought to a lot of his arranging. And then it's just obviously beautifully performed by the Benny Goodman Orchestra. And I feel like in the within the song, you sort of go through a range of emotions. And in my head, I've sort of choreographed, you know, multiple routines to this. 
and how I might present this. Um, I mean, just there, there's like this really nice call and response. There are certain parts where like I get, I don't know, goosebumps, like the Saxoli. It's like this adorable, gracious song. And it does take you on a little bit of a journey um, because there are like several distinct sections of it. This sort of fanfare intro. It kind of ends on a chill note, which is not uh, necessarily normal for, for a swing song, you know, that I think most people are like, I want a barn burner. And this one just, um, I don't know, just sort of pleasantly resolves itself. Its beauty is, I feel like, both overstated and understated in, in several parts. There are a lot of fun breaks in this. I find this song really fun to dance to. Glisses, um, like punctuated things, um, but then also multiple textures. I don't know. It's just kind of like this like really nice chocolate truffle that I want to eat all the time. <laughs> and then also, um, I mean, the title, Down South Camp Meeting, I and I can't speak to the history or what may have inspired it, um, but I am from the southern part of the United States. I don't know, there's something nice to think about that someone was inspired to write this, like, you know, joyful, sort of gracious, elegant song um, about something that happened in the South. Hmm. And is it on the list because it's a song you can't live without, or is it on the list because uh, you know that it would be a very, like, an essential part of your daily soundtrack on your desert island? I I mean, oh gosh, I don't know if I like had character. I mean, I definitely don't want to live without it for sure. I mean, that's enough. Um, yeah, it's one of those songs that I come back to and I listen to over and over and over again. I have several songs that I like Lulu that I like glommed onto and then I would listen to them maybe obsessively on repeat for like several weeks in my car. And this is one of them. I mean, there are several other ones that like didn't make the cut. Um, like last year it was camel hop. I could like camel hop every day, but um, this, this has been a little more enduring and a longer presence in my life. <laughs>
was it hard putting this list together? Were you at like 12 songs for a little while and then you just couldn't decide which one to cull? Or was it like, ah, okay, this is the list I've had prepared for a while. I'm glad someone's finally asked me. (laughs) I would say, yeah, I probably got stuck at like 12 or 13. There are some, um, you know, secondary contenders, but... Down South Camp Meeting was, uh, Blue Lou and Down South Camp Meeting were absolutely on the list, without a doubt, two of my favorite swing songs. And from swing, we now go to Scar, which <sighs> is, I'm all about that contrast, mixing it up. Is it really a contrast? Well, it's, I mean, it doesn't seem such a contrast or such a far stride for me, but that's because... I'm also in the I love music, give me all of the music now, please and thank you camp, like yourself. <laughs> and I I, th- I feel like you have some specialist geeky knowledge about this song in particular because you sent me a note about what Discogs doesn't know about the B-side of this. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, it's a very specific recording um, and it's not necessarily the Scatolites, like, most recognizable recording and I'll give you I'll give you a history because I feel like there's like there's definitely a story that goes along with this um I was a ska kid in high school um you know like punk with horns third wave ska and when I came to college I went to college at East Carolina University and they had on Sunday afternoons they had this really great lineup where at noon you would start with the reggae show two to four is a ska show Four to six is the punk show, and six to eight is the metal show. That's really well programmed. That must have flowed really nicely. Um, but the ska show was the weak link. I was like, I could nail this. And so I I went in and applied, and I got the ska show. And I I, play, I ran the ska show for two years on sun, every Sunday afternoon. And I had, you know, I had like a fairly limited range of knowledge because my lo- not, ska knowledge was primarily third wave ska, you know, the stuff that was more popular when I was um, in high school. And then I had the access to this much larger collection and I started getting into, you know, original ska artists and uh, second wave. And what I figured out was uh, Real Big Fish did a song with the numbers two, four, one, which I also enjoyed. Then I saw that the Scatolites had two for one, like spelled out like two for one, like it's like a sale. <laughs> and they, they're, they're fairly different songs, but I just thought, wow, this is such a cool, chill riff. Like if I was that cool kid coming down the street on my Vespa, which I do have a 64 Vespa, um, <laughs> and I was in like the movie that is my life, like, would this be my, like, I'm rolling in, everybody's like, who is that? Like, oh, my God, she looks amazing. I want to know her on her Vespa, and this is, like, me imagining my, like, cool life that's not actually as cool as I imagined it. <laughs> like, the Hollywood version of my life. All right, well, because from where I'm sat, you you have a pretty cool version of your life, you know, like family law by day, jazz queen by night. I mean, that's not that's not shabby whatsoever. No, it's not. But you know, when you're in in college and you're a nobody, and you know, you sort of like come up with these narratives for yourself. So the the song is kind of part of my narrative, and I will say that um, if you see, like, I sometimes use the handle C A A B two four one. Like, that's my email. Just give your email out. Go on. No, no, no. <laughs> but um, 
it's the two four one is this song, hmm. you know, and and also like I guess coincidentally the real big fish song. That means you've had this email for quite some time then. When when was this email formed? I don't know, like senior year of high school or freshman year of college, one of those. I mean, why a change? It's so convenient. No one has to get my new email account. I mean, like ska is like uh, overall, I feel like a primarily a joyful uh, genre, and I like. I like things that bring joy to my life. And then also, like, from the jazz perspective, tying this in, um, it's my, again, and someone can, like, I don't, I'm not super up on my ska history, but it was my understanding that uh, in Jamaica, they were listening to New Orleans radio stations. And so this music is influenced by New Orleans R&B. And so here we are back to New Orleans in the cradle of jazz and influencing people. And this is one of the things that, that came of it. Yeah, well, let's hear it. Two for one. Fade outs are great and all, but then when you have to DJ a song like at a social dance, you're like, where where do I cut it? Do I just leave right. it and feel I awkward? want a big finish. I don't get a big finish. Like how do you like dance a fade out? Yeah, do you just like you sort of like The next song is one of my all-time favorites. So I like actually squeaked when I saw this. Oh, <laughs> I used to harbour secret um, ambitions to 
direct music videos. Yes. Spike Jones, who did the video for this, is a fantastic director. And this is one of the best music videos yes. of all time. And I will, f- I will die on this hill. I agree. I'm with you. <laughs> but the Beastie Boys have a huge back catalogue. Absolutely. Other than the reasons I've just given, uh, I feel like I've okay. answered the question for you. Why, why this one? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll jump off of your, um, uh, you know, the music video had, a, I mean, this was like so impactful. And I think this came out in 1994. And I was watching way too much MTV in 1994. I was like 13 or 14. I didn't, you know, I don't have a car. I can't go anywhere. I'm like stuck. I'm like too cool to go out and play. So I'm inside, you know, on the phone with my friends watching MTV. And, you know, this is like part of that whole experience. But this was incredible because like I, I like, I saw exactly what they were doing. My dad would watch like a lot of classic cinema and you know, that included, you know, cops, like pulpy, uh, Charles Bronson, like 70s, like flicks. And I was like, oh, that's totally what this guy's going for. And um, but there's like a comedic element because everything's like a little exaggerated. Like, I think the clothes are like pretty spot on, but like the facial hair is like insane. And, you know, they're like jumping on the top of car hoods, rolling around in the grass. Like there's like there's like a comedic element to this because, you know, they're not stunt doubles or they don't have stunt doubles or whatever. You know, it's just them. And so it's like a little awkward. I don't know. It's just like very endearing and hilarious. In addition to like, there is actually like with the editing and there's action and there's a car coming over the hill. Like there was a hill. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, and there was like a hill and maybe in my college town where you could like do that. And you're like, it's the sabotage hill. My car is going to fly. And, uh, So anyway, so yes, the music video was a huge part of this. But I think on a personal level, uh, this has become my karaoke song. And I think that a lot of people don't expect that from me. They expect me to get up and do something like cute or poppy. And I didn't listen to a lot of pop music, but I listened to this song a lot. Um, (laughs) I think you've just blown my mind. That's amazing. (laughs) And then, you know, I have, as I mentioned, I'm from the South. And so I have... You know, certain inflections are different, but this is, I mean, these guys are from New York. So, you know, they have, so me adopting a New York accent song, I think is also hilarious. (laughs) New idea. We reshoot the sabotage video, but you in full vintage glamour, (laughs) but you're, you're doing the cop stuff (laughs) with like throwing a donut away and jumping into the car. (laughs) yeah right the donut is on the break too like i fucking love that like it's a donut break it's like a musical pun like anyways
oh my god please tell me i can go with you to, like to karaoke sometime <laughs> I love watching people's expressions when when they're like, okay, yeah, whatever, Laura. And then they're like, what? <laughs> Let's bring it back to jazz, because <laughs> wh- wh- why not? Now, it's Ella and her famous orchestra, and that was when she'd taken over Chick Webb's orchestra. An all-time classic banger, I think we could describe this song as. Absolutely. So Ella Fitzgerald's St. Louis Blues. Basically, with the Chick Webb Orchestra at the height of its capabilities, um, I can't, I don't, I wasn't sure if I was able to find the date on this. 1939, I think it was. 39, okay. So, so yes, so like Chick Webb had just passed and this incredible recording live from the Savoy Ballroom and Ella scats for several choruses after this, you know, this incredibly like crisp, inspiring you know trumpet opening for for two choruses it's just like oh this is this is jazz and this is and then the arrangement just sort of like rocks in this like beautiful way and then Ella comes in and just like slays absolutely slays you know these scat choruses and this is one of those recordings that like when I play it for people who have not listened to Ella scat in the 30s (laughs) You know, they're used to Ella's later recordings. And I play this and then I tell them that it's 19, you know, 39 or whatever. They're like, no way. And like she had this in her. Like, this is this is not just a bebop or post bebop Ella. This is this is just who she is. And she's been a badass from the beginning. So Newsflash, in case you didn't know. (laughs) Right. Um, She's had this in her way longer than you think. So, and then from a personal level, when I was challenged with singing this myself and transcribing, it's and it's very difficult, and I don't, you know, capture all of her syllables, um, which is probably fine. I should capture my own syllables at, at times and bring bring my own intrinsic stuff to to the table. But um, it is an incredible feat of breathing to get through this. <laughs> And, um, and it's exhilarating. Uh, you know, when, when I finish, I'm like out of breath. I just like did this thing. And it took, you know, several performances to get comfortable um, performing it. And now at this point, it's part of my repertoire. And I couldn't imagine, you know, being without this song, having spent so much time with it, and then performing it at what I would consider very, um, like pivotal moments in singing for me like at Lindy Focus or singing St. Louis Blues in St. Louis at the Casaloma Ballroom and Nevermore I mean it's just um and watching the floor swell and that's just it like like once I get done that's not even the peak for me it's like watching everyone just like the floor just like floats and and bounces and and swells you know to the the ultimate joy that is this song it's just a wonderful experience and so this has a lot of happy memories uh for me
afternoon from the drumbeat of a band attuned to the tempo of the times. Music in which the song spoke for itself. The song, of course, was by Ella Fitzgerald, who presented an orchestra from the famous Savoy Ballroom up on Lenox Avenue in the heart of Harlem in New York. I just, like, kick that announcer to the curb, but... Yeah. <laughs> Get out. The beauty of the live performance is that we don't have that obnoxious announcer ru- ruining the fade out <laughs> for us. Number six, we're here. And it is, it's another one of my faves. Um, oh, yay. Yeah. <clears throat> Miss Brown to You by Billie Holiday. This song, the first time I heard it was in the movie Clueless. Mm, yeah. Do you like Billie Holiday? I love him. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I mean, just the whole context of like how we even arrive at this song, um, you know, he comes to to pick Cher up. Uh, Christian is the sort of love interest who turns out to be gay. Um, but he, he is, he was the first time I had seen someone who had adopted like vintage culture as a lifestyle. You know, the whole like the clothes, like listening to the music, like this was a completely foreign concept to me in rural North Carolina. Um, people did not do this. <laughs> and you know, I get it. Like she and she and like Cher was attracted to him. Like this is like super cool. And he pulls up, and I looked up because because his car is amazing. It's a 1954 Nash Metropolitan. He pulls up in this like the cutest yellow convertible ever, and you know jumps in the car and then says, you know what you just said. Do you like Billy Holiday? Oh, I love him. And then Miss Brown, you know, plays and and it's it's the part where she's singing Miss Brown to you, and I. I also, in hindsight, think, you know, what an adorable spot to play from highlighting the adorableness of everything that is going on in the scene. You do a version of this with Michael Campbell. Yes. She did it with Teddy Wilson, right? Yes, yes. And I want to, I did like, I I didn't get all the discography information for everything, but I did want to highlight because the Teddy Wilson mosaic box set is just so incredible. And when you read the liner notes, you realize that basically every session was like this, like, Hey, I'm going to invite all of my like really awesome, badass jazz friends to record with me. So on this particular song, Roy Eldridge trumpet, or on this session, Roy Eldridge trumpet, Benny Goodman clarinet, Ben Webster on tenor, John Truehart on guitar, John Kirby on bass, Cozy Cole on drums. And of course, Teddy Wilson on piano. Like, how stacked is that? And you wonder why these recordings are so enduring. It's, it's completely, it's, it's like almost unfair. Like, how dare you, Billy? This incredible <laughs> band to back you up on your adorable song. Uh, she is adorable. And, <laughs> but I, the other thing that I thought I think is really interesting about this, I mean, lyrically, this is just such an adorable song. Just like, and 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 I would I would be curious to know more about, I guess, the origins of the song because she's singing about you know miss brown and she's a woman Mm. so she's singing about a woman who's coming to town you'll never guess who lovable huggable emily brown i mean just yeah you don't know her (laughs) because she's baby to me yeah
little hi-hat at the end there Chris it's like okay change track now the next one we've got is it's a jazzy classical yeah I would love for you to talk about the track but also in relation to being on the desert island what is it the soundtrack to that you're doing while you're on the desert island um let's say I am a little melancholy and wistful and maybe I need something that's just what I feel like is purely beautiful in my life. And um, Stardust, to me, is the most beautiful song ever written. Um, I just think it is. Um, and, you know, there are lots of ways to arrange Stardust. You know, you can do a little more upbeat, like, Benny Goodman has a really nice, like, around 140 beats per minute that's lovely to Lindy Hop too. And then, of course, there's, like, plenty of schmaltzy versions of Stardust. It's just so beautiful. Um, Stefan Grappelli's violin, I don't know, it just, it sings to me in a really pure way. And I know he had a classical background, and this track kind of mixes, you know, classical elements with, um, jazz and I just think that it creates this thing of incredible beauty with the most beautiful song in the world his treatment of it is just it brings me to tears like I can't listen like I might it, we, I'm glad we're not gonna like listen, maybe not listen to the whole thing and and I just I don't know I just get so caught up in it and so sometimes you know when you want to be sad you want to let yourself be sad but I don't necessarily want to wallow in it and so there's an element of like hope and beauty in this um I don't want to live without this music 
like he sings. And then I just want to point out just something just delightful and lovely is the lilting berry sax that appears under what, uh, like, so, so Stefan Grappelli is just, you know, sweeping, beautiful, lovely, uh, heart, you know, wrenching riffs. And then this little berry is just like playing lilty, gracious, I don't want to say farts because it's not <laughs> farts, it's berry, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's, you know, we can't take ourselves too seriously. I can't. And so I need a little, a little light comedy at the under, you know, underneath. That helps you break through the sadness. Exactly. Okay. And then taking another direction, some No Doubt um, from 95, Open the Gate. Yes. And No Doubt, when they like broke through, if you will, with Don't Speak, I think a lot of people didn't realize that they have this phenomenal like pop punk back catalog before that song even happened it wasn't like they just decided to make an album and then suddenly they got famous i mean they'd been slogging on this like that that work for for a really really long time and i was not like an early adopter you know i was very much influenced by whatever the alternative rock radio station in winston-salem that i was listening to like whatever they fed me is what i got and then you know until I got into high school and then you were able to kind of go drive yourself to the music store and figure things out <laughs> and talk to people um and talk about music because that's something that didn't really happen until maybe maybe high school things that weren't on the radio um but once um you know no doubt had like several hits with tragic kingdom I was like oh they have more stuff and so you know I went and later bought uh this is from the beacon street collection and this is you know, sort of an encapsulation of like high school, like Gwen, Gwen Stefani was absolutely goals. You know, she's like fronting this like pop punk band. She, you know, looks incredible, but she's not. I mean, if you go back and look like Gwen is very glam now, but if you go back and look at, I'm sure there's like YouTube videos of her from the nineties, like she's a little rough around the edges. And it was something that you could relate to as, as a high school kid, you know, and she had such a cool like wardrobe and anyways she was and then she would sing she would write her own songs and you know this particular song um I liked because it was um I don't know it was just kind of like a like a cry like open the gate up hurry like she was singing with this urgency and you just like want your life to get better and change and then at the end she's like open the gate up, you know, cause I'm going to knock the damn door down. And, you know, there's a lot of like doors in high school as, as a, as a, as a girl, <laughs> you know, a teenager and, and angsty. And this was sort of like my flavor of angst, um, <laughs> which includes, you know, um, a horn section <laughs> and, um, you know, little, little elements of, of ska and organ. And it's just, I don't know. It's, it's one of those songs where I would be, I would be in my car, like speeding down the highway to golf practice after school. (laughs) And that's so punk. I know, I know. (laughs) And, and I would just, you know, it's one of those songs where, like, if I didn't watch myself or, like, set cruise control, I would get a speeding ticket to this song because you would just, like, you just want to floor it and, like, open your lungs and, like, hurry. And, like, she, like, screams in this song. It's like... She's got pipes on her. She's... It is incredible. She's, like, the punk rock Mariah Carey here. 
and it's just a feat and and it's it's a mood that like resonated with my my high school basically experience um yeah <laughs> if you could speak to your high school you now and give give her a little bit of advice be it sartorial or musical or legal or whatever what what would you say oh gosh I don't have a lot of regrets, thankfully, from high school. Maybe I would say start buying vintage clothing now. Like one of the struggles, you know, I had with my mom was about clothing. And I didn't, we didn't really mesh until I started uh, buying vintage clothing because I wanted to dress like a punk and my mom wanted me to dress like I was preppy. And clearly there was like, a happy medium in this that was somewhere in the vintage clothing realm. And she's like, she's the one that taught me to thrift, taught me like, you know, to go to consignment shops. And I just wish that I could have like reconciled that earlier. And I would have had the wardrobe that I wanted. <laughs> but that's something that like, I felt like I, like I could, I could have connected with her on. And I had a lot of strife with my mom in high school. Um, so uh, that's probably the only thing that I would, I would, I would go back and say, um, to, to high school self and then maybe also like not getting the a plus was not the end of the world you're gonna you're gonna turn out okay
Best heard at the volume level 11. 11, noted. <laughs> and penultimate song. Like, I feel like you saved like, a lot of humor for the last two song choices, but de- definitely for the last one. <laughs> um, <laughs> focusing on acrobats and pool party. I'd never heard of them. Oh, okay. So I was like, oh, this sounds like I could have listened to them, but I didn't. Um, and it's, it's, that's, that I'm not throwing shade on them. Um, but is this, this selection also part of the then musical influences? Yes. Um, I, and this was actually, this was a tiebreaker for me. This was kind of on the cusp because I had, you know, my, my other sort of choices. And then I was like, no, if we're going to be on a desert island and we're going to have the water, I'm going to need like a pool song, like, or like, a, like, I don't know, like a pool party song. And then this was like, no, 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 we got to have this. Because let's say, you know, I wake up in my, you know, makeshift shelter and let's go take a dip in the ocean. And I'm from the coast. So I'm like, this is all normal for me, <laughs> you know, and I, I need like a little anthem. So this was my, this was maybe the only song that I specifically targeted to the island because I needed an anthem. Because there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of like other ska songs that are meaningful to me or that have, I don't know, that are also fun and sort of give you that like fun poppy ska vibe. But this was, uh, you know, and even now in the, like in the car you know, this, I, I have to say, like, Lucian, Lucian was also a ska kid, and we met under ska circumstances. And I mean, we, and actually, we were in the same room together at a ska show and did not know each other when we were seniors in high school. And so we, it was just one of those things where, like, we were sort of destined to meet. Um, and then when we did meet, we would, like, ride around and sing ska songs together in the car. Hmm. That's so wholesome. It's- <laughs> And so this is one of those songs and it has, you know, it has a call and response and it has group vocals and it has actually, you know, like girl quote air quotes parts. And it's just, it also, I feel like encapsulates, you know, it's talking about it was a pool party for the cool kids in my school, but everything about this song is so nerdy. Um, And so I feel like it, it reminds me of my friends from high school. We were like ska kids, uh, you know, academics, band geeks, theater kids. And, you know, maybe like if somebody had a pool party, it would be this sort of level of silliness 
and shenanigans and the things we would get excited about. Uh, holy guacamole, we've got chips. Like, <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, you don't need a lot to make a pool party great. <laughs> but anyways, this is like a quintessential summer song for me. So if we're going down to visit my parents at the coast, or maybe we're going to pool party, you need a little, you need a little pool, pool party music. Bro, what's up? Dude, just watching a dating game. <laughs> right on. Hey, dude, guess what tonight? What? Pool party, my house, 8 o'clock. You don't even know, dude. There's going to be food and girls and more food and Mike Trudeau's coming. Hold on, dude. Hold on. Pool party, baby. It was a cool party. Cool pool party. La, 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 la. Pool party, baby. It was a cool party. Cool pool party. La, 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 la.
killer pool party, dude. Yeah, it was killer. Card. Party, bro. Party. Anyone want to come? I could watch you mouth along to that all day. <laughs> bro, what's up? Just watching the dating game, right on. Like you're doing nothing at your house in high school. There's nothing going on in rural North Carolina. <laughs> uh, and from the ridiculous, I guess, to the sublime, really. But it's not actually sublime. It's Electric Six. The dance floor banger danger high voltage, which <laughs> musical insights we'll get to in a second. But re-watching the video, um, which I probably haven't watched since it came out in 2002. Could you imagine the, the late night meeting of that, like... <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, man, let's, let's, oh, that's some good shit. Let's have some light up gussets. That's going to be hilarious. I want a giant cod piece that lights up. Let's do this. I mean, when are you not going to need a giant light up cod piece? This is actually uh, Lucian's ringtone, my husband's ringtone. Um, And when it comes on, yeah, and when it comes on, people are like, Ooh, who is that? <laughs> like, like, as in, who is calling you with that song? And it's Lucian. And I mean, I, I will say that, you know, as- aside from the sort of, you know, tone of the song being about, you know, love and lust and desire, the main reason this got assigned to Lucian is because um, the opening lines are fire in the disco fire in the Taco Bell and Lucian loves Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was going to be like mystique and like romance and drama, but no, it's Taco Bell. So if we go and get Taco Bell, like, I mean, you know, there's still love in the Taco Bell, but it's like (laughs) fire in the Taco Bell. I don't know. It's it's so comedic and ridiculous. And I just, I love, I don't know. But it is a really great dance song. Like, that's one of the great things about, like, going to the... I've been also, like, you've been to two Electric Six shows. Um, and I would go with um, dance friends. Like, I went... Uh, I don't I went to one with my then roommate. And um, and we did swing outs, like, to a bunch of stuff. And obviously then shaked our ass to other stuff. Um, it's just really, like, solid dance music. Or I, I also like uh, Dance Commander. You must obey the Dance Commander. Giving out the order for fun. Like, hell yeah. Give me the order for fun. <laughs> I will take it. So. <laughs> so anyways, but the, the danger high voltage now at this point, because I hear it every time my husband calls me on the phone, I, I don't want to let that go. And the sort of like tongue and cheekness of it all and the Taco Bell. Danger, danger 
so good. I want to put on my stank face and dance. If someone asked you what a stank face was, how would you describe it? It's like it's so satisfying that it like made your face wrinkle up. Like, mmm, mmm, that's good. Mmm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We have completely burnt through all 10 tracks and it was so fast i love all of these songs <laughs> um well i'll say i'll let, like address like bring full circle back to this challenge you know it's it it was one of those things where i was like well clearly i'll i'll have 10 you know and then but then it sort of takes you down this memory lane of figuring out all right well what what has been meaningful with my life but what would also be useful on desert island but also like um, you know, what would I enjoy listening to? Because things that are not necessarily things that are meaningful may not be something that I want to like hear forever. Maybe I just want to like leave that in the past. Um, and if I and then, you know, with swing dancing, I didn't want it to be I didn't want it, it to be all swing music. It could be all swing music. Like if you had challenged me to say Desert Island, Swing Desert Island, uh, here's your vintage capsule wardrobe for your cabana and your vintage soundtrack. I, I could have done that, but then, you know, it would discount all of these, these other experiences that I've had that I feel like are like really critical points in my life that led me to swing. Because I would say in the late 1990s, when I was in high school, you know, it, there was this like kind of wonderful melting pot of things going on with music that was on the radio. And it led me to ska and it led me to swing. And, and here I am as a swing artist now. And it's, it's sort of remarkable that, I don't know, I feel like it's remarkable that that happened and that I also was able to connect with a lot of other people, more so ska with my high school friends and then swing with my college friends and to have, you know, anything that was going on in my life, because I did start swing dancing in high school, but like that this has like carried on into adulthood and become, you know, an occupation for me is kind of remarkable. And so I think that music is very powerful in that way. You know, people sort of discount pop as like, you know, this is like a passing fad, but it doesn't have to be. Like this can be a lifestyle choice for people in ways that are are very healthy. And, um, you know, I want to keep dancing, you know, until I'm 90. And so I feel like I'm on a good path. But when you're like 17 or 18, you don't know what, you don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> And so it's just interesting, like you said, to look back, like, what would I tell my high school self? Um, anyways, this was all very, uh, this exercise of putting this list together was very self-reflective for me um, and a really, a really fun thing to do. I am delighted and you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Like many of us, Laura's got a lot of pans in the fire at the moment in terms of projects. Uh, the most recent ones that are worth mentioning, I mean, they're all worth mentioning. Um, Gordon Owl's Armstrong All-Stars tribute album from Lindy Focus, Lindy Shopper's Closet YouTube series and the Rhythm Relief Show and other sewing and cocktail projects that I'm sure she would be delighted to talk to you about. You can find her work at laurawindley.com and if you are all about that social media life, you can find her on Twitter at laurawindley and on Instagram at Mint Julep Jazz Band. Desert Island Jams is produced by me, Sarah Spoon. The graphics were magicked up by Sarah Asmi. You can find her on Instagram at sasmi underscore design. 
Jonathan Stout is the musical legend behind the absolutely delightful theme tune. Please do go and find him on Bandcamp and buy all of his music. The music license for the year has been very kindly sponsored by Andrea Helm, who is an excellent vocal coach, and you can find more about her and book lessons with her at voicesculptor.com. If you're all about the clicks, then you'll be pleased to know that you can find Desert Island Jams on Instagram. Guess what? The Instagram handlers. Yes, that's correct. It's Desert Island Jams. If you'd like to see pictures of my face, which you might want to do, my username is Lazy Vintage Gal, but in Gal, there is no A there's an x because i'm a non-binary person thanks for listening and desert island jams will return next month